0: Well, good morning, church. You know, as I like to do, I always encourage you to read the Word of God. I'd like to encourage you to read Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7, especially in, today's, uh, in, today, in in regards to today's sermon. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. Really chew on that. And also, like I said I'm going to encourage you have you found a prayer partner? Have you found someone to pray with daily? I encourage you, find someone to pray with. Find someone that you can speak to and hold you accountable and you both can pray and just let all of your worries and concerns just fly up to Jesus. And you can remind each other saying, look, those worries, they're on Jesus. Stop worrying. (laughs) So, anyways, let me encourage you, find someone to pray with every day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today asking for your blessing. God, there is so much going on in the world right now. There's just a lot of chaos and sadness, a lot of sadness. Lord, remind us that you are in control of it all, and you are sovereign, and you haven't abandoned this world, but you have provided much, specifically your Son, and that there is a way out. There is hope, and His name is Jesus. God, be with all those Christians around the world, all the Uh, all the churches meeting in whatever capacity, Lord, whether in deserts or in homes underground or wherever may be, Lord, be with them, remind them, give them the strength. And and we pray for a harvest amongst all those areas that, that all of a sudden people just start turning to Jesus. That's what we want, Lord. We want people to turn towards you. We don't want them to focus on us. We want them to focus on you. Lord, I pray that be our prayer here, too, amongst our own communities and, and people that we walk about, Lord, that we just want them to know you and follow you and trust in you. God, be with us here. Help us, Lord, to see our sins, reveal them, show them. God, we're good at hiding our sins. We're good at justifying our sins. But God, expose it. You have your Holy Spirit have him to show us what we need to repent of and run to the cross with empty hands of faith and cling to Jesus, knowing that he has accomplished it all. And fill us then with love, hope, and peace so we can consistently live out the faith before you and this world so they can know Jesus is greater than all. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. You know, um, with every day that kind of goes by, it seems like problems in our life and in the world just kind of get bigger and bigger. (laughs) You know, the issues at hand, you know, come flooding in and seem to be kind of just piling up more and more. You know, every possible way out seems to be just kind of closed off by some, some new issue or new obstacle, something that stands in our way, that's just hurling down threats at our lives, at our minds, and at our hearts. You know, this world is, is pretty good at making us feel small and helpless because, you know, the problems are so big compared to us. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we can barely fix our own issues, let alone the world's issues. And that's a lot to carry. That's a lot to handle both mentally, emotionally, and even physically. So in, in response, what we do is we end up trapped in fear to these problems by exhaustively submitting to them in hopes that it all goes away. Or we live trapped in anger, exhausting ourselves in open rebellion and refusing to be reasonable with anyone who disagrees with us. Or maybe, depending on the context, you do both. Trapped in fear and anger at the same time because we feel so helpless and lost that we're just trying to do whatever we can to find some security and comfort in our life because this world is so insane. But whatever the context is in our lives, we don't need to submit to either of those extremes. We don't need to live trapped in fear or anger if we are in Christ. For the gospel is the true security, the true comfort, the true freedom we need in our life, and we have it if we have faith in Jesus Christ. For Christ has said multiple times and in multiple ways that if we have faith in Him, we are secure and truly free by having faith in Him, faith in His gospel message. Of his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. Jesus says in John 8 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the uh, said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. free. John ten ten, the thief comes to only a steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Paul even summarizes what Christ has done for us in Galatians 5, one, saying, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. But that is the challenge, isn't it? To remember that If we are in Christ, as Peter says in 1 Peter 2.16, the challenge is to live as people who are free. That's the hard part. It's hard to see your freedom when the world seems to be in chaos. It's hard to see your freedom when your body is breaking down painfully. It's hard to see your freedom when a loved one is is sick or in pain. It's hard to see your freedom when your mind is racing because of the constant worries of the world that are screaming at you. It's hard to see your freedom when your heart is broken because you let your spouse or your kids or your friends down because of your sin. It's hard to see your freedom when you feel as if this world is riding upon your shoulders by the choices you make. So you better not mess up because if you do, there's no coming back. Or at least that's what the world wants you to think. It's hard to see your freedom when your past is so full of mistakes and failures that others love to point out, or maybe your mind loves to point out. And the list could go on and on and on and on. Which is why it's so important to know the gospel in which we believe in by faith in Christ. For the more we focus on the gospel, the more we will see How truly free we are no matter what's going on in our life and not feel so trapped by the world, by death, or our sin. So today we're going to look at the last few verses here of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. We're going to look at that last section here. So our title is Know the Power of the Gospel. So for our context Paul's been very expressively up to this point trying to get us to understand the power that is at work within us. To know the extent of the power at work within us and toward us if we have faith in Christ. So what, uh, what he says next in this last half of the verse of ni- verse 19, right, we're going from the last part through verse 23, it's something that Paul is wanting us to see and to be literally blown back in, in our chairs when we start to understand what power is working in us and toward us by faith in Christ. He is wanting for us to see that this is one of the wonders and the blessings of being a Christian, to see the depth and the amount of God's unlimited grace that he has towards us now that we have faith in Christ. So we can be free from anger and free from fear. You know, to see that through believing the gospel, that the true power of sin and death has been removed from your life. Paul is trying to paint a vivid picture here in this text of who God is and what he has done for you so that you don't just walk away from these verses and think no more of them but he rather he wants you, he wants it to consume your mind and see how glorious the God whom we worship is. He is wanting you to be inquisitive. To in, he was wanting to entice your heart and your mind and your soul to know this power that is working within you more and more every day. For what we see in, in the verses of 19 through 23, you almost get the impression that Paul is wanting you to repeat what Moses said in Exodus thirty-three eighteen, 18, where he says, please show me your glory. You know, we pray for a lot of things in this world. We pray for a lot of blessings. But the one thing, at least for, for myself, the one thing I don't typically ask for enough is, Lord, show me your glory. Or for our context, show me your power. I'd rather ask for everything else in life rather than, oh God, help me know you more. I mean, what could we ever ask for that would ever compare in knowing our God and His power? Nothing. But I, so for good to believe, think things can. That I think things will be okay if I keep asking for stuff, rather than just knowing God. I know I, I'm not saying that you can't pray for things. Right, I'm not saying you can't pray for blessings and But what I'm saying is what Paul is saying here in this text. That our prayers should be centered around or have a theme of us knowing and others knowing God more and more and his power. Because the more we know of him, this increase in knowing is how we come to realize the change that is going on in us. John uh, 17, 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. So we're going to look at the text. The last part of verse 19 through 20 says, According to the workings of his great might that he worked in Christ. And this brings us to our first point. You are free from death's power. So what you have here is is Paul trying to expand our understanding of the cross so that you not only see it as the magnificent and glorious and, and gracious love of God on display, but you also see God's power in it. So, not only do you see God's unfathomable depth of grace and love towards you, that He gave His Son for you and poured out His eternal wrath upon Him in your place because of your sins, but then you also can see His unlimited power that is at work within you and towards you when you see the cross. Like, if you ever ask this question of where's the proof that God loves me? Where is it fully expressed or seen? Look at the cross. And for our context, if you ever ask the question, where is the proof that God's power is at work within me? Where is it fully expressed to see it in action? Where is it, John? Paul says, look at the cross. What Christ did upon the cross, God's power flipped this world upside down to never be the same again the working of his great might, Paul is really emphasizing the abundance of power that is available to us for his power is thoroughly expressed in what Christ has accomplished. Paul is saying that through faith in Jesus, you have all the power and strength and resources needed to thrive, to be free, to live abundantly and powerfully and peacefully in this world of sin and death. All of it has been obtained for you by Christ. Whatever is needed to live in this world and the next has all been done in Jesus. You just need to look to Him by faith and that is it. He will get you through it all so you can have rest and be at ease and have peace. Even with our deficiencies and our sins and our failures and our inability to plan for the future and even in our confusion, if we just look to Christ by faith, We can fully rely upon Him to get us through this world and into the next. Because it was all upon Him to account and overcome anything and everything that could stand in our way of being reconciled to God. And through the cross, He did it all. So Paul then moves on to describe the power of the gospel the power of God in our life by describing what exactly that power accomplished so that we can have peace in knowing that we now have access to this power as we face anything in this world. And he says in verse 20, or continues, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now get this. The power that brought Christ back to life. God's power that resurrected Christ's body back from the dead is working in you. The power that brought a dead corpse back to life to never die again, to never decay again, to never wear and tear again, to live physically forever. That power that gave Christ this physical body of a new life of eternity is working in you. Because Christ is alive physically in his new body to never die again, you too, when Christ comes back, will have a new resurrected body that will never die again. Because Christ's grave is empty, the grave is not our end. For for there is life beyond the grave with him because he has overcome the grave for us. There is power in knowing the truth that the casket is not our end, but eternal life And joy and peace and comfort. There is power in knowing that there is a future for us, and it is paradise for you and me by faith in Christ to be with God, to be with God's favorable presence, His loving presence, unhindered by any presence of sin forever. But the power is not just knowing it will happen the power is also living in that truth right now the holy spirit brought the holy spirit that brought christ back to life he is also in us paul says god's power is working in us and we are to know it more and more every day so the power of god through the holy spirit is with us and gives us power to walk by faith in the Lord every day, even when we can't see it or feel it. He is doing it because we have faith in Christ. Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There is a change within us we need to realize. We have life that we did not have before. We are changed. We are new creatures. We now have hearts that are beaming with life because of faith in Christ. Death is truly beaten. Ezekiel 36, 26-27 says this, And I, referring to God, says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, death, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, life. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. For you are now alive. Life, eternal life. The power of death over us has been truly defeated. There is only life for us, even when our bodies die. Our soul keeps going, and eventually we will be reunited with our body in the resurrection. If you have faith in Christ, you only have life in your future, not death, for Christ has been raised from the dead, and that power is is at work within you. But Paul doesn't stop there. Because the power of the cross or the gospel is the visual depiction of the power of God. So Paul says, not only did Christ defeat death to never die again, God, in verse 20, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And this brings us to our second point. You are free from this world. God's power brought Christ and established Christ in the highest place of honor. God's right hand. Now, we are not at the right hand of God. That position is of Christ alone. Understand that. But the power that placed Him there, again, is something we have access to by faith in Christ. For Christ, again, has accomplished everything we will ever need in this world to be free of it, and He is in full authority to declare that for us and upon us and over us so that we can be fully reconciled to God and have his favor and love and grace towards us. Paul says, look, Christ has all authority and he is in the place of highest honor. You know, Jesus even speaks of this to give us confidence in him in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, You know, Jesus, said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But Paul doesn't just stop there. He could, but he doesn't. Remember, he's painting a picture. Because he really wants you to run to Jesus for everything. He wants us to pray to know our God more and more every day. So Paul then says, I want you to know how truly powerful the power you have access to is. And to not overlook it, and to not think little of it, and to never think it's common. Don't treat it as common. To know that when you place your faith in Christ, you are fully secure in Him and can truly rest in Him no matter what happens to you in this world, no matter how painful the circumstances may be in your life and no matter how brutal the situation may appear in your life. Paul wants you to know the Christ whom you serve is able to, To bring you through all of it, even if you stumble and fumble about. In verse 21, he then describes this absolute authority that Christ has. He says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Paul really wants us to get this. All authority is given to Christ. This is the supreme being to which everything has to answer to and will answer to. This text really exposes the vastness of Christ's authority. So when we see this, see that God's power placed him there, we should be floored and encouraged and overwhelmed to know that that same source of power is working within us. That it's no small thing to say that God's power is working toward us and in us. It's not common. Paul wants us to see that we have been freed from this world, literally ripped away from it because of what Christ has done. When he says far above any rule, the idea here is that Christ is above any rank that you can think of. Anything that might try to be first place or first in power, know that Christ is above it, whether spiritual or secular. Christ is above it. So the best, so who is the best, Paul is saying? None but Christ. Far above all authority. Basically means the one who has the right to act. The one who has the final say. Christ's word is final. His view is final. No human or spiritual being can override his authority. Christ always has the final say. Far above all power. Paul is saying who is the most powerful? None but Christ. Think of it this way. Who has the power to conquer him? None. There is no power or commanding power that can do so. For he is above all power. Far above all dominion is that Christ is Lord. His Lordship is over everything. There is nothing that does not fall under his Lordship. No matter how small or how big, everything falls under his Lordship. And Paul truly tries to pierce your mind and your heart. So that you will see past all your problems and woes and break free of the chains around you when he says, look, Christ is above every name that is named. This is Paul's way of sweeping away everything and anything that you can come up with by saying, look, there is nothing, no title, no position, no ruler, nothing that can compare to our Lord Jesus Christ for God's power has placed him above everything and anything. He is far above it all, far above it all. Do you grasp that? The power that's at work within you. Because on top of all of this, this power that not only brought Christ back to life and gave Him authority over everything, but it's also the power that established His authority forever. That's why Paul says, not only in this age, but the age to come. This is how powerful God's Power is that when you look at the cross, Christ is the ruler forever. The power of God is eternal. It's never ending. And we have that power working for us by faith in Christ. But as the old TV commercial says, but wait, there's more. For the gospel is good news. I'm going to say it again. The gospel is good news. And we need to learn to dwell on that news every day. Paul says in verse 22, And he put all things under his feet. Which means not only does Christ then have this ultimate supreme position of authority, but he also, by God's power, exercises it. God's power has placed him over everything and given him the power to sovereignly rule over everything. All things are under Christ's rule or under his feet. By saying under his feet, Paul is revealing to us that Christ has conquered everything. He is victorious over everything. And all things go according to his will. All things must bend or will break to his will. Everything you see that's going on in the world falls under His feet. All weather, diseases, all nature, all objects, all technologies, philosophies, education, media, governments, medical fields, terrorists, jobs, corporations, all people, all existence, spiritual or physical, is all under His sovereign rule, under His feet. Let me make this more direct. Nothing is yours. Everything's on loan to you. Your family, your job, your clothes, your hobbies, your money, all of it, your hair. Everything is his. He counts those it says. He knows every number on your head. Don't. Some is like, well, there's nothing there, but <laughs> Thing is Everything. He's the ruler over everything. Your very life is His. He is ruler over everything. He is ruler over you. So all you do with it must be accounted to Him. And sadly, if you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, the only thing that you can look forward to when you see Him is judgment for your sin and to be doomed to hell for eternity. But... If you are in Christ, you can rest assured that you are fully protected under him and you are fully safe in him and that things are working for your good no matter what life may seem like for you. For your life is under his sovereign rule and you can fully rely upon his throne and his grace to get you through anything. Now you might ask, if Christ is over everything and sovereignly ruling over everything... Why is there still so much evil and pain here? And to that answer, I say, I I don't know. But I do know two things. One, that one day this will all come to an end at the final judgment and Christ will return to rid this earth of all evil. The end's coming, folks, at some point. The other thing, is that all things are working for our good if we have faith in Him. And for our context of looking at this text, currently the same power that worked in Christ through the cross, which used man's absolute evil, God's power used it to bring about the absolute victory of Christ. It was through the death of Christ on the cross that he conquered the world. Remember, it was the life, death, and resurrection that he achieved victory over death and sin and this world. And that same power then is working in us, so we are victorious through any, in Christ through any evil that comes our way. For Christ's victory over this world is our victory. For all things are under his sovereign rule and working out for our good in him. Hebrews 2 8 says, And putting everything in subjection under his feet, now putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not see yet everything in subjection to him. So you can look at it this way When Christ took the throne, he removed all power of death and sin, and the world, and the devil. And one day when he comes back, he will remove the presence of all death, and sin, and the evil worldly things, and the devil. But for now, we live our life by faith in Christ. We know that through his suffering and submitting to God in all things, that broke the world's powerful system, And freed us from the world of sin and death. So understand that it is that power. I don't know how that works, but only God could do it. It is that power that worked in him that is now working in you. Christ has the power and has proven that he can rescue us simply by faith in him from the sinful world, from the devil, and from your sinful self. We are to know and to dwell on this powerful gospel. To know the freeing power of God working in our life through faith in Jesus. Now you might ask, and we're coming to an end. John, are you sure? I mean, in my life, there are a lot of things that are kind of messed up. There are some train wrecks that I don't really speak about to others. How can they be working for my good? In fact, John, I keep messing up. I fall into sin all the time. I look good on the outside, but my heart, oh. I don't live as if everything belongs to Jesus. I mean, I try and I trust in Him by faith, but sometimes I just don't think I'm going to make it. I'm not good enough. Sometimes it's hard to see God's love for me because of what's going on in my life. And that, my friends, is what Paul goes after. For he says in the last part of verse 22 through 23, And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this brings us to our very last point. So what you have here is Paul saying, look, God gave Christ. Follow me here. God gave Christ all this authority and power. God raised him up and then gave him to the church, to you and me. God gave Christ with all this power and authority for our betterment in Him. So He can exercise His unlimited power over in the entire creation, whether it's willing or unwilling to do so. Christ rules and works all of creation for our betterment in Him, even if we can't see it. He is doing it as long as we have faith in Him. Think of it. All of creation is being ruled over by Christ and His power. And He is working all of it to make sure we stay, we stay saved by grace through faith alone in Him and become conformed to the image of His Son. You see, we are His body. He says, the church. The church is His body. He is guiding us. You and me, the church at large. He is making sure we glorify Him in whatever happens. His shepherding us. In the best possible way for us to reveal his glory to the world. To show that he is greater than anything. So we are unified by faith in Christ that we are his visible body to the world. You think he's not going to take care of his body? Of course he is. I know that's hard to understand with all that's going on in our lives in the world. For at times I have a hard time understanding it too. But if we look to the cross by faith... If we ask to know God's power in our life, we will see the cross, the instrument that always brought a devastating end to life. By the power of God, it became reversed to show a glorious, unmatchable display of God's power that removed all power from rulers, sin, and death, and the devil himself, and is now there to give life eternally. This is the power then that Paul says at the end of verse 23 the fullness of Him who dwells, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Christ is filling us with this power at all times through faith in Him. His power is always with us and is constant, so nothing will ever overcome us. All things will always be used for our good. And life itself then becomes a tool in knowing the grace of our Lord more and more and displaying His gracious power in our life simply by having faith in Him. That is the power that is in work within you and I and we are called to know and why we can have rest in this world and overcome any fear or sinful anger in our life. For the gospel is good news and we can take comfort in Christ. And it gives a whole new impression of John sixteen thirty three. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation but take heart, I have overcome the world. So pray to know the power of the gospel more in your life. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we come before you today God asking to know your power more, to know your glory more. Because God, that's what life is about. It's about knowing you. It's about knowing what you did through your son. It's about knowing your power. It's about knowing your grace. Life is not about us as much as we try to make it about us. It's about you. God, if someone does not know you here today, I pray that they repent and they fall on their knees and they ask just to be saved by trusting in you, trusting in your son, that the blood of Jesus has covered their sins by simply having faith in him. God, if someone's struggling here today with relationships or jobs or life situation or, or painful situations in your life, God, remind them that you are working all things for their good. Even if they can't see it, they can know it. Because faith is simply trusting, even when we can't see. God, I pray that as we leave here today and as we sing our song, that we can just be uplifted in knowing that your grace is enough, that your grace is powerful in our weakness and shines forth, and we can be satisfied with you. Because truly, you're the only being that can satisfy our hearts. In this world, we crave more and more and never satisfied, but you, Lord, your grace satisfies our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.